Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. There's confusion over when construction of a so-called winterized tent camp in Brighton Park will start. 12th Ward Alderwoman Julia Ramirez says she opposes the mayor's decision to move forward with this site, especially because of the site's toxic past. And some volunteers are worried about the city's contract with the security company Garda World. So what's next? We sat down with WBEZ city government and politics reporter Tessa Weinberg to explain. And I started by asking Tessa about the health concerns raised by Alderwoman Ramirez. So we haven't actually seen one, you know, constructed and really up yet. Um, but according to, you know, photos that are, um, you know, pr- shared by the, the private security firm Garda World that's been hired to construct these and, and build these, um, they really look like kind of just large tent-like structures that could house hundreds, thousands of people. Um, you know, they are described in the in a contract that they could, you know, have yurt-like, you know, tents set up. They could also have, you know, larger kind of, um, you know, tents made out of clear span fabric that could have thousands of square feet of space. These would be heated structures. There'd be uh, separate facilities for bathrooms. You could add on things um, for uh, meals to be provided, like kitchen space. And so there's lots of different, Mm -hmm. it seems like customizations that could potentially happen with these, um, you know, areas for recreation. But essentially, you know, that these would be really large structures that could house hundreds of folks, you know, um, in kind of semi-indoors with cots and heated. Um, And we don't know exactly how many of these the city, you know, is anticipating they'll need or how many they're hoping to stand up. Uh, Construction seems to be imminent on one site in Brighton Park that's been very fiercely protested and kind of hotly contested. And so we may see soon, you know, what this will actually look like in practice. Well, as I mentioned at, at the top there, there's a lot of concern here, right? And that's at the root of this. I want to start first with the the site itself. As I mentioned, Alderwoman Julia Ramirez released a letter on Saturday, and it was noting her concern about the health safety there. And she's referring to the the presence of heavy metal contamination where they uh, pl- exactly where they're planning on building. Uh, the camp. So tell us what's going on there. Yeah, so this is um, a site in Brighton Park where land would be uh, used for one of these proposed kind of winterized base camps. And um, there's been really fierce opposition from community members at one such protest. Even Alderwoman Ramirez and her staff were, you know, physically battered and escorted away from police. So it's been very hotly contested. And I think the Alderwoman throughout has really called for more transparency on what the city's plans are, timelines, and just having, you know, community and involvement and the city has moved forward on, on prepping this site um, for the construction of a base camp. But Mayor Johnson has faced criticism um, because Alderman Ramirez has said there um, has been, you know, she's been informed there's been heavy, you know, toxic metals mm-hmm. at present in the land. It used to be an industrial site. Um, and the city says an environmental assessment is underway, but they've not shared, you know, what those results are. Even at a press conference today, Mayor Johnson was, you know, heavily pressed on that of why are we moving forward with preparing this land if we have not yet seen the results of this assessment can you even tell us you know 
the extent of the contaminants, right. what they are. And, and hold off. Yeah. and they're trying to say. Exactly. Yeah. That's what a lot of advocates are calling for. And he, you know, simply reiterated, you'll get the results of that assessment at the end of this week that this has been our plan. We're moving forward. We're taking the steps necessary to um, do remediation um, and really kind of just defended the way the city's been handling it. Um, but so that's been kind of the the latest, um, you know, I, I'd say point of tension of um, not yet having really kind of full transparency on what the issues are with this land mm-hmm. and wanting to see i think community members want to see that i think folks want to see that if people are going to be living here that they can be aware of you know the the history of this land if there's any health dangers um and not really having answers on that yet so as you said i mean the property was previously owned by a railroad company a zinc smelter was was once there city officials are saying the um, pollution has been cleaned and they're confident that uh the the property will be suitable for housing the older woman, though, doesn't seem to be convinced. I mean, what movement would you say that we have seen from the city to, to do good on their promise to clean the site? Yeah, I, you know, they have said that the environmental, you know, assessments and testing is underway. Um, you know, in a statement, they said that the mitigation strategies are ongoing. They anticipate that that would be completed by the end of this week if weather permits it. Um, but it's really kind of unclear, you know, what the specifics of that has looked like. I think that's where um, people want to see a lot more answers. Um, You know, the uh, group Neighbors for Environmental Justice, they've called um, for environmental hearings to be held by city council to, Mm -hmm. you know, understand what's going on. They've even called on the, you know, EPA to provide federal oversight um, and just really want the city to kind of to show its work, show us what you've done, the test results, explain the the remediation steps. Um, And so um, I think there's a lot of still questions of, you know, what exactly the city is doing, how they're making those decisions. And people just wanting to see that up front. And Mayor Johnson, though, today was, you know, very adamant. He defended that his administration, he says, has been transparent. He says, I've told the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's still lots of questions that people I mean, have. this battle between the 12th Ward Alderwomen and the Johnson administration, I mean, that's that's been going on for longer than just this, you know, this recent update. Talk talk us through that and yeah. and further, you know, how the residents in the area are, are feeling about all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is just the latest example of just the long-running tensions that we've seen kind of, um, you know, building since this summer of, you know, especially folks in some of these communities where shelters have been proposed, um, really being adamant that they, they don't want those in their communities. Some of these areas are especially kind of long disinvested areas and, you know, residents really saying, you know, we want that same level of support you're putting towards migrants to go to our communities, um, especially when you're seeing, you know, migrants being sheltered in, you know, a formally closed school that, you know, community members didn't want that to happen in the first place of the school being closed. And so I think a lot of those tensions are coming to a head. Um, I think this uh, base camp site being the first one that's really had the most movement Mm -hmm. is like, you know, a testing ground of we're seeing how this has happened. The mayor's administration, I think, has taken efforts to try to ensure they're doing both and um, for a different site in Morgan Park. They've, um, you know, ensured that the site will not be used for a migrant shelter past November 2024. They've committed to the local aldermen there that they'll um, put forward investments in the community, that they'll, you know, stand up a shelter for for unhoused residents, you know, beyond just migrants. And so I think the mayor's administration has been trying to do a both and of saying we will take care of you know, current Chicago residents and those coming to the city. But at the same time, they have started to put more restrictions on folks like the 60 day shelter limits. It does seem like they're putting, you know, some kind of limits on just the city's health. And and this Brighton Park one, I mean, the the construction was supposed to have started yesterday, but now it's not. 
Yes. Yeah, so that was something over the weekend. Um, Alderwoman Julia Ramirez said she, you know, put out a statement and a letter, you know, saying she's opposing the instruction construction that she's wanted to see more transparency and saying that she was informed it was going to be starting yesterday. Uh, the mayor's office uh, put out a statement kind of clarifying that while Garda World, the private security firm that's been contracted to stand up these sites, has started to deliver equipment to the site, materials for the base camp. They said they're importing stones, starting to grade the site and starting to lay out materials and actually begin placing structures of the site that wasn't actually happening yesterday. But they did note today, if there's no complications, that that base camp, you know, start could start to get constructed and erected mm-hmm. as early as tomorrow. Wow. Um, so I think, you know, the point is, is that it's imminent, um, that it's happening this week, so, that I mean, it's the, underway. The, the confusion of, over when the construction will start, I mean, that can't help the issue mm-hmm. at all. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I think and that's just led to more. More frustration. Yeah. And calls for transparency. Yeah. So on top of health concerns at the campsite, volunteers are concerned about the city's $29 million contract with Garter World, as you mentioned Uh, earlier. Just remind us where that concern is coming from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Garter World is a private security firm that the city uh, has contracted. It was a state contract they piggybacked off of um, to construct these sites. There's been a lot of criticism, though, that company has been subject of, you know, labor, you know, complaints and allegations. Um, Denver backed off from using that contractor after concerns and just, you know, concerns about a lack of experience, you know, operating migrant shelters. Um, But Garter World is the company that is going to be helping construct the Brighton Park base camp. They will also be involved in constructing another shelter in Little Village that the state recently announced it was putting funding toward. Um, They are hiring locally in Chicago for different staff. I think that's been a point the mayor's administration has tried to stress of, you know, they are trying to make efforts to ensure you know, some of these dollars will be going to, you know, local residents, but um, it's been very controversial. And I think there's still lots of calls from folks to see more transparency and oversight um, over how that contract's, uh, contract is carried out when they didn't want it, you know, signed in the first place. So on top of that $29 million contract I, I mentioned, WTTW is reporting that the city will pay the owners of the uh, Brighton Park lot 91400 a month to lease the site. Um, according to an agreement that was reached by the city in October, which seems like a lot of money. I mean, have you been able to independently confirm that in your reporting yet, Tessa? I've, you know, requested a copy of the the lease. I haven't gotten a copy of it yet through a records request. But, um, yeah, that is a steep number. I think that's why we're seeing the city, um, like today, announce that they had secured $350,000 of philanthropic support and a coalition of 17 faith-based groups and churches that are going to help take on some of this. And they are going to themselves house migrants, help them find housing. Um, and do that within their churches and, and, and religious spaces. And so I think that's where you see the city starting to try to look creatively for other ways as well of um, for taxpayers to maybe not have to pay these costs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of churches have been, you know, taking people in on their own this whole past year. And I think this is the effort of the city to kind of formalize that network a little bit and make sure it's in conjunction with the things they're doing to hopefully streamline things, to hopefully continue to decompress the police stations, which they noted they've already decompressed. I think it was seven or eight of them have been fully, you know, okay. you know, folks are moved out of. So we'll see if that holds. If we get another wave of folks, it kind of remains to be seen. Brighton Park, as you talked about, it's not the only neighborhood that'll have uh, winterized base camps for migrants is a vacant CVS in Little Village as well. I mean, anything else you can tell us about that shelter? 
Yeah, so that is going to be, um, you know, a city-run shelter, but being stood up in support with state funding. Um, so the state, um, Governor Pritzker recently announced $160 million additional dollars to help the city, um, you know, with its response to housing asylum seekers. Some of that is going to go to a, a new intake center that the city, I think, hopes to really be this centralized point of arrival for folks so they can maybe streamline better that if you know, a migrant is arriving to Chicago, they can say, you know, is this your final destination? Do you have family somewhere else you're mm-hmm. trying to get to? How can we help you get to that that destination then rather than maybe you just immediately getting ushered into the shelter system and, you know, facing these long waits? Um, so that's one aspect of it. Another is this this new shelter. Um, the It's a former CVS in Little Village. That will be a brick and mortar shelter. And At as, the corner of 26th and Pulaski. Mm-hmm, yeah. And as part of the state funding, the state funding is also being funneled to then this Brighton Park base camp. So right now, those are kind of two of the ones they've recently announced that some of that state funding will go toward. And then they're still providing support of things like um, housing assistance. Uh, Rental assistance is only going to be offered currently to folks who are already in the city shelter system, and it's being limited to just three months. The state says that way they think they can house everyone who's currently in the system. But Mm -hmm. basically, new people who are arriving, who are just entering the shelter system, that will not be available to them. Um, and so I think it's you've seen kind of a concerted effort uh, by the city and state to really be maybe a little more aggressive in, in how they're supporting folks and making sure that there's, you know, time limits on these things so they can, as they say, hopefully more quickly move folks on a resettlement, but also mm-hmm. clear out the, the shelter system faster so we're not still seeing folks in police stations. So, you know, in terms of Brighton Park, if construction starts soon, you know, as soon as tomorrow, as we, we talked about it, when do you think we'll start seeing migrants actually move in? I think that's what folks are anxious to, to know. Yeah, I think it will happen pretty quickly, but the mayor did uh, reiterate today that, you know, people will not be moved in until that environmental assessment is completed. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Who do you think is going to get priority for for? beds at these shelters? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think the city has tried to prioritize, especially, you know, pregnant women, children and families, um, especially for, you know, those folks staying outside. That was something today with the new faith initiative um, that they mentioned that those groups would be kind of prioritized um, for being housed in churches. Um, I don't think the city wants anyone to be sleeping outside or in police stations, but I think especially for for families, I think that's been a priority. Yeah. Well, so between Brighton Park and Little Village, they'll be able to house 2,200 people? Yeah, about 2,000 is what the governor said. Yeah, more than 2,000 new arrivals just between those two locations. Um, And the number of new arrivals on buses, that's trending upwards again. So who knows how many more folks will be here, maybe the end of next week. Yeah, I think that was a question today with the new uh, Faith Initiative, too, of, you know, can they absorb all the people currently in police stations? You know, what happens if we get more? How temporary is this? It's a lot of questions of, well, you know, churches can help, you know, house everyone currently in police stations. Do we even need these base camps? And so I think it's a lot of, you know, what ifs and a lot of levers kind of relying on each other of just, yeah. It'd be interesting to watch. I mean, you mentioned that you just got back from that press conference yeah. where uh, Mayor Brandon Johnson was announcing all of these plans. Anything else we should know about before you go? Yeah, no, I mean, I it, he called it kind of this unity initiative and um, now a coalition of 17 churches are going to, you know, basically take on helping folks combined with uh, philanthropic support. Um, and I think it's just, you know, marking a, a new effort by the city to really formalize, you know, how it's been, you know, different groups have been supporting, making sure it's kind of one centralized 
um, system. Mm-hmm. But uh, right now, I think we've seen you know some police stations start to get decompressed. There's been you know maybe this has kind of been a little bit of a lull, but uh, I think it will hopefully only be helpful for the city to have this infrastructure in place if things really start to pick back up again. That's our WBEZ colleague and city government and politics reporter Tessa Weinberg. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. This episode was produced by Micah Yason and Dan Tucker with editing by Linnea Dominic and Brenda Ruiz. Are you signed up for our daily newsletter? Well, it's delivered with care to your inbox each weekday at 10 a.m. Head over to wbez.org slash reset news to get your copy. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll meet again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.